0: My name is Ruben Pillai, and this is SHB Unfiltered, brought to you by the Stop Holding Back Foundation, a UK personal development charity geared towards improving the lives of people who stutter. We are the only podcast run by people who stutter, talking about a range of topics, streaming live, and taking Q&A. We are committed to changing the way people think about stuttering, breaking barriers, and unleashing potential. They support us on Patreon and enjoy this next episode. The change begins when you stop holding back. Three, two, one, and over to you, Chris.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome to the SHB Unfiltered podcast. Today, it's episode number, Ruben? 26. 26. I thought you were beginning to lose track there. Slightly,
0: slightly. Had to think about it.
1: No, but it is episode 26. We have, we have surpassed the quarter of a century. So that is an achievement within itself. Yes, we are in lockdown here. We are the only podcast that streams live every day on Facebook around 6.15pm, even though today is a little bit later. So, today hosted by myself, Christopher Jackson, aka CJ, and I've got my co-host, Ruben Palahi. Ruben, how are you getting on today?
0: Yo, yo. I'm good. Just been a bit of a busy day. I've been up since six-thirty maybe six six-thirty yeah yeah. trying to get all my stuff done um, all my work done all my my project stuff done so I can really spend some time on the charity and smash his podcast yeah uh, smash life man smash life
1: talking of the quarter-century episode um, what happened to it today Ruben on YouTube
0: Oh, It oh, got a bit lost in the post, I think.
1: Yeah. I,
0: I'm, I'm not sure. Can't find it. I'm not sure if it was my dodgy uploading skills or the powers at be. However, um, it is back up there and available to listen. It's a really good episode. I, I actually enjoyed looking back on it and um, seeing us being very transparent about our feelings towards our peers within the stuttering community. Yeah. Um, I do think we don't kind of. I, I think we are, we, we are kind of um, misunderstood at times. But it is our responsibility to make ourselves a bit more um, clearer, a bit more transparent, and a bit more available. So if you guys want to find out a bit more about us, just check out this podcast, right? Because who else is doing it?
1: <laughs> Exactly. Yeah.
0: Perhaps sometimes
1: we are misunderstood. Perhaps. Perhaps sometimes people take things the wrong way, or they take what we post the wrong way, or where we post. But ultimately, it's just another hurdle, and we will continue to do what we do. Hopefully, we encourage people to take action and work on their speech. That is the purpose of this podcast, especially during the lockdown. At a time where perhaps people do not have as many opportunities to work on their speech as they usually would, in terms of everyday life, in terms of work, in terms of just making phone calls, or they might be tempted tempted to just sit at home and watch netflix all day rather than put a little bit of work into their speech so hopefully if this podcast can encourage people to do that and take action and work on their speech so that they don't come out of this lockdown in a worse position than they started then we have done our job ruben do you
0: agree oh yeah i completely agree I completely agree it serves many purposes and and um if we could uh, help just a couple of people um I'd be very happy. I was going to ask, uh, have you been a 5K run yet?
1: I haven't, no. I know that I committed to doing it to you yesterday, didn't I? But I may potentially do it after the podcast. If not, then I will definitely be doing it tomorrow. I will definitely be doing it tomorrow.
0: Cool. I'm still uh, waiting for my doms to wear off, and I'm going to give it another crack, do it properly.
1: Yeah.
0: Find somewhere a bit flatter, because... I got destroyed the other day. My lower back is still in bits.
1: Yeah, I was reading somewhere today that coronavirus and encouraging people to exercise too much can actually be bad for people's health. I don't know, yeah, if
0: of course, yeah, yeah,
1: that. But it's encouraging people to enter the phase of over-exercising.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, like you probably know as well from your basketball experiences and in, in the gym. That when you train, your immune system gets weaker, making your, making yourself more susceptible susceptible to made it weaker. up when you enhance it. Not straight away. Wow.: So um, in that period when you've training, you are readily available to like, pick up germs whatever. That's why people catch like um, colds and stuff from sparring a staph infection that goes around and um, like Thai boxing gyms and BJJ as well. So you've got to be careful. Um, you, you can pick up like so many things because you are um, like exerting yourself. You're weakening your defenses and you are kind of in contact with people who are doing the same thing
1: so what could be the problem for people that have started to exercise during the lockdown period that you usually wouldn't is that they may be doing too much too soon just because they're following an online HIIT workout but they're not in the right shape to do that workout straight away so it could be counterproductive
0: uh yeah definitely but um it is also a bit of pot luck as well because they would have to come into contact with people with the virus on that day. If they went to the shops afterwards, then that's not a good idea. But if they went to the shops before, then train. Then they avoid those people.
1: Yeah, but hopefully after the coronavirus, people keep it up. So the coronavirus could be... The only positive that could come out of it is that people can continue exercising and continue to live a
0: healthier lifestyle. Are you mad, mate? As soon as this thing's done, everyone's kept going out and getting smashed. I was just trying
1: to... <laughs> I don't know. i trying, trying to be optimistic, but... You're la land.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but... It's straight after this is finished, there's going to be... Uh, every night, all the pubs will be heaving. Right? There'll be parties on literally every day. House parties, this party. Everyone's going to... Like there'll be up a backlog of weddings and birthdays, and people just gonna go nuts, right? Come on.
1: Well, I think the queue at McDonald's is probably gonna be the longest you've ever seen. I know so many people are missing McDonald's. How many memes have you seen online about like how much would a McDonald's drop right now?
0: McDonald's is rubbish as well. Like, <laughs> what is the obsession? Seriously. Like, what? Um, I like McDonald's. It's rubbish. It's crap. Well, at all. Yeah, yeah, like the only thing I I have from there is fries. That's it. I'm. That's if I was like really desperate, had some drinks, and I'm out, finished, and on the, the way back home, get some fries and jump on the night tube. That's it. Yeah. I'll,
1: if, I'll, think, I'll, I'll, I'll,
0: if, if anything, I'm more craving than Nando's dude.
1: Yeah, I might be a little bit late with this, but. China seem to have everything under control, but they're getting a second wave of coronavirus now, which is worrying for us. And I know there's been talk about potentially lifting the lockdown mid-May. Is that true here?
0: Oh, I think they're targeting um, like the 8th of May or something. But with China, like they reopened that market where the virus started from. So <laughs> I'm not surprised that something else came out of there.
1: Yeah, I'm not surprised if, at all. I think if that's happening over there, it's very, it's definitely wishful thinking to lift the lockdown on April May.
0: We'll see what happens, but I, I think you have to take into account like um, the type of place um, the city is. So, for example, here, because we rely so much on the tube and train system, you can't take a risk here, especially in capital, because as soon as that gets back in the tube, we're, we're all screwed again. It would will just get passed around and, and it will kick off again. Because all it took was just one or two people to go to, to that ski resort and pick it up from that guy who had that business trip. And like, that's how it started, right? Yeah. Because there was an article in the news about the super spreader. So it was that guy who, who in skiing just, passed around the chalet and then um they brought it back to 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 Brighton I think and then yeah
1: but I just think they should let everybody know from now like just try and drag it on as long as possible until the end of May and then everybody knows where they stand rather than giving people hope that they're going back to work and then they start preparing for it and then it doesn't happen and now work isn't in a in a proper place to start working from home again. Everyone was expecting to be able to go into it. I think if everyone knows where they stand, then everyone can just accept it. Everyone can prepare for it, mentally prepare themselves for it. And everyone just accept it and get on with it. Rather than, are we going back to work? Are we not going back to work? Is it going to go back to normal in a month, two months? You
0: know? By the way, they can do that is if they actually get off their seats and test everyone. Well, yeah. Because until you do that then how will person know where they stand dude we could have the virus right now you do realize that
1: yeah i don't think i have it (laughs) i'm pretty sure though
0: no um but like in china so one in three people who tested positive did not show any symptoms at all
1: yeah yeah i know
0: and, and if you go by the ratio of, say, like, maybe for every 10 people, two people have it, then the chance that of the two, one will not be showing any any symptoms.
1: Yeah.
0: So if you test everyone, then you're going to know, okay, so these people, they can actually step out of the house. These people stay inside. Or if you live with these people, stay inside for an, uh, um, two or three more weeks. Yeah.
1: Not a lot has been said about the antibody test, though, has it? Now, like everything's gone
0: quiet. Of course, gone quiet because they didn't have anything to tell. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> why? Because <laughs> um, what's happened now is they didn't have anything to write about. So what they do is previously they would um, pick out a speech and start pulling out bits and really, really break it down over two, or two or three pages now they take that one speech or the one finding, and they spread that out over two or three days and they make a headline out of one or two quotes from that speech and they rinse and repeat because they literally don't have anything to write about look at the sports pages yeah there's no sports on so they're going through all these retro games and just trying to like churn things out in the same way what can they say in the news because if they're reporting back every day it didn't have like um, any any progress on the um, antibodies then what can they say the next day yes because it's not going to get fixed overnight is it
1: yeah and especially the sports channels that's hard I mean I was watching it the other day and they're literally just trying to force transfer talk that's potentially yeah. just like, rumours are never going to happen. I was watching Gary Neville the other day that was saying, you know, Harry Kane should leave and I know Harry Kane and Jamie Redknapp was saying, I know Harry Kane will leave Tottenham because of how Tottenham has been... how they've behaved during this time. And it's like, Harry Kane hasn't said he's going to leave yet.
0: Yeah, um, I think um, there was something I saw and it was, like, really pointless. It was like um. A... Jamie O'Hara's best eleven that he's ever played with. And I'm thinking, who cares? <laughs> who actually cares?
1: Well there were some pretty good Tottenham players in his team, I have to say.
0: Yeah, a couple, a couple, but some good players, man. Still it's very left field. Yeah. They they are stretching. Go on, Chris. What's happening in the world of Facebook?
1: So over to the facebook feed thank you for everyone that's tuned in we've got chris papacosta has joined again chris papacosta our friend my cousin Um, and we got leo on there we've got a comment from mark murphy you lads are doing a great job thank you very much mark appreciate it
0: thank you very much mark
1: uh, we just got another comment from Mark. Hopefully i have more time to catch up with your podcast later. We have a support group at 7pm up here in Cumbria. But also using Zoom, you guys are definitely putting yourself out there. Well, that's what it's all about. That's what we're trying to do. So happy that that's been recognised. Really appreciate the comments and the support.
0: And I think more importantly, it isn't um, something that we just thought, yeah, let's like do it and then it will be perfect straight away like uh, for ev- everyone thinking that and especially yourself Mark, check out the first episode and see how we've pro- pro- progressed as a partnership and um, and how the whole setup has progressed as well um, in terms of getting guests on board the, the, and the way we interview them and the way we have kind of improved in our own abilities to kind of present topics and really break things down over a one hour period. It isn't a, an a overnight job because um, we're currently on episode 26. Now if we were dedicated to doing this in the normal world when we aren't quarantined and say hypothetically doing a podcast every two weeks, then this is one year's worth of podcasts. One whole year, 26 episodes, right? 26 some to 52. If we podcasted every week, then this would be six months' worth. So we are kind of six months to one year into this project that has literally taken us under four weeks.
1: Having launched this podcast though, Ruben, I do... I do, it's not that I understand why people quit, because I don't. I think podcasts are cool. They're one of the most enjoyable things that I've ever got involved in. But I think that I can see why people get disheartened, and I don't believe that they should. I think that people launch a podcast, they put it out there, and they're so obsessed with the numbers. How many viewers? How many views on YouTube? How many on this platform, Anchor? Who, who has streamed it? Who has liked it on Facebook? But it's not about that. It's about you. You are probably reaching a lot more people than is represented on your likes or whatever stats you're trying to use to justify to yourself that you're putting out a good podcast. You've got to realize the majority of people that view things online They don't click that like button. The majority, how many videos on YouTube do you see with a million views, but like a thousand likes? You know, so the only thing I would say to people is you should be, if starting a podcast is something that you want to do, then definitely do it. Definitely see it through. Do not look at the numbers. Just keep putting out relevant content. That you believe your listeners will benefit from, and that is all you have to do, everything else will take care of itself, in my opinion. That's what I truly believe.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And um, I kind of gave it a crack as well, um, some point one year ago. And um, I kind of went through that period of like going through sound and doing all the editing and stuff, and it was really full on because um, I kind of went the other way and and I was going above and beyond. I was meeting people in person and and I found that the podcasts were actually really really good. Um, The quality was good, but it was really hard to actually kind of maintain that over a long period of time. So that's why when we came up with this format, I, I said, look, let's focus on... On kind of a bit of effort, but maximise value for the audience, and let's focus on value for for the audience, as opposed to thinking more about how we can gain from it. What can we give to the person, people watching the podcast? And um, this would be a good way to actually kind of like showcase who we are and the work we do, and um, get the kind of essays be. Family and friends involved as well, and um, we picked up a few new friends along the way as well, right, Chris?
1: Yeah, yeah, we definitely have. We definitely have. There's been a, a lot of support, especially canvas Schofield, along the way. Uh, I just want to shout him out again for the amount of support he shows, constantly sharing our stuff. So I just want to say a big thank you for that. Um, what I want to mention though is you started your podcast. And then we started this one, but just because it was quite difficult for you the first time around, it, it didn't discourage you from doing it again. And what you've done is you you took that experience and you were able to work out, okay, let's adapt the approach this time to make it more suitable to us and to make it easier for us to put out content. And that is the key thing you cannot get. Discouraged, and if you do, then you're only quitting on yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, like, don't get me wrong. it was a great experience. I, I had a lot of fun doing it, but I kind of kind of burned out really, really quickly because I I was going above and beyond constantly in in that time and. I had to find a different way of actually doing it, which brought us through this actual virtual setup because this was more of a sustainable way. Like um, an example would be, so um, for one of the episodes, I met up with, with Paneet, and so we did podcasts and, and it was great, but I literally went to Leicester to meet him up and to record it yeah yeah and and then came back like that's the length of but that was the effort i was putting in to actually get out an episode and if you think about the um the amount of effort you're putting in versus the the value that, that you're giving it was completely imbalanced even though it was really good episode and I'll probably um, share it with this channel um some point after we come out of quarantine. It could be a full episode for the, for the Unfilled podcast. Um, but yeah, I kind of had, had a great time doing it and in that period, I learned so, so much about the production, the functionality, um, the way it's done, formats, the way to interview people, um, my own strength. And I got that style as well. I implemented that in my public speaking. That stepped up as well. So I picked up so, so, so many great things from that experience um, that when I decided, all right, so so um, shall we kick off with the SSHB podcast? I knew straight away, this is the format that was going to work daily, turn up, regardless. And we didn't have to rely on always having guests, because that's a stress that some people have, always trying to get guests, them cancelling on them. Yeah. Etc. Cetera,
1: et cetera, Yeah, I'm trying to imagine you've planned a podcast. So you only release a podcast once a month, say. And you've planned the whole month. You have this guest that you're expecting. And you've planned the whole month. Your whole monthly podcast is devoted to this one guest. And they cancel 10 minutes before the podcast. Like, that must just kill people inside.
0: It's not as bad as that because they would have um, recorded a few, so have a few in backlog and release them. So they would always be like two or three episodes behind.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. they won't be doing a live.
0: So um, they'll still have some in the back pocket to put out. But you're going to have to like keep making them in case you get to that point where we're like, all right, so um, I'm, I've got one more podcast left, but I need to get this one done to buy me an extra week.
1: Yeah.
0: It takes a lot of time as well, but this is perfect. This format's wicked.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. But um, moving on, Ruben, to the topic of the day.
0: I'm gone. What are we doing?
1: Job interviews. Now, this is a topic that a lot of stutterers fear the most. I know that I feared it the most. That was my biggest issue. It was what I was most scared of when I was struggling the most with my speech um Ruben you actually work in an environment that I always wanted to work in before I started to work on my speech before I decided what I wanted to do working in the finance industry in the city in a bank whichever role it was that was where I truly wanted to be back then But my biggest fear was getting to an interview process to the point that I was half-heartedly applying for jobs. And we know how difficult it is to just get an interview and how many applications you have to complete to get that initial interview. What was that process like for you? Talk us through coming out of university and then applying for your job. How many did you have to apply for? Just talk us through that journey.
0: Um, I was kind of fortunate in, in a strange way so um, where I lived in Bastyr in my halls of residence with the university there were quite a few people there with um that were doing kind of economics courses and stats and maths and, and all that kind of stuff they were applying for like play placements at banks and, and the different types of financial roles for the summer that I wasn't really aware of at the time. So I was talking to them, attended a few fairs just to get an idea of like the, um, the names of all these places and research them a bit. And then, um, so after seeing them apply, I would just apply as well just to try and get someone, just, um, I didn't think anything at the time would happen. I just thought, yeah, it would be good to have a paid summer job at one of these places, um, get some extra cash for the following year. That'd be great. And, um, and, uh, yeah, so just started doing that. And then I eventually got kind of my first internship in summer of two thousand and ten this is like um before I went into final year and um so you spend ten weeks in uh like investment bank and they take you around you spend kind of kind of two weeks in different roles you do all these events and stuff like that but um, the actual process itself it kind of varies from from organization to organization, but they typically start off with an application form, uh, CV, cover letter, then all these competency questions. Just show them an example where you've done this, done that, done this, done that. A few questions about kind of the market in general and you just just have to research a bit and and answer the questions. Um, Then you send it off. And you, you literally do that for as many places as you can. Then some of them come back, some some will not. It's all first come first serve. So I was trying to try and get these done in like September, October, for the following summer. So you have to get in there really, really quickly. Yeah. Um, telephone interviews. Um, they come.
1: How did you get on with
0: those? Oh, um, it was a mixed bag because. Typically, for the ones where where it, it went telephone interview first, and then face to face, so it will kind of go telephone interview, then fast run face to face, then final run assessment center. Um, for quite a few of them, I didn't didn't get through the telephone interview, but for the ones where it where the where the where the next run was face to face, where there was no telephone interview, I. Got through those one. Um, I got through those ones. Um, and it was for me. It was just like a numbers game. The, the more you apply, uh, eventually, like something will crop up, and probably apply to like thirty-five to forty um, places. This is like kind of doing answers for each place, each place, each place, and then. Saving them and if the question repeated itself, then you can use it, improve it. And um, then, kind of, of those 35 to 40, you get responses from maybe 15, 10 to 15. Which from that, you get about um, eight to 10 phone interviews or first round interviews, which leads to about three or four assessment centers then if you're lucky then you get one at the end and and uh, and if, if you dig and if you get one that's it you are laughing because um it's that
1: process hard to get they're really hard to get
0: they're really hard to get, they're, they're really hard to get because it's, so many people are applying for just a couple of spots so you say can't be sad or no i got rejected from 39 places and you've got one end, is not it
1: yeah, but was that process all for an internship? Yeah. All for a ten week internship? Yeah. Wow. Wow. One hell of a process.
0: But what um, that does, you, what what that does it, it gives you an um, a like experience of that place but on the C V. But also gives you like really good experience of an application process. Yeah. When you do graduate, like you're a bit more streetwise.
1: Yeah. And what did What did that lead to after? Did you manage to make enough of of an impression to get offered a role for when you graduate, or was was that the aim of it, or was that never the aim of it for
0: you? It kind of was the aim, but once I was there, a couple of things happened. I didn't really want to work in that place or in that area. (laughs) And and B, they went through like um, a weird merger, which resulted in loads of cuts. So by the end of it, the team I was in, they had all been either transferred out or got made redundant. So there wasn't really like um, a place for me afterwards with this kind of, kind of a good thing as well. Um, and um, I kind of knew that I didn't want to work in that particular area. So what I did was went back to final year, <coughs> pardon me, went back to final year and um, now everyone's applying for graduate jobs. Um, But the process is is pretty much the same thing, same type of interview as well. Um, Because what they do is, if they bring in for internship, they already see you as potential for for, for the graduate role. Could you pass the same process?
1: I was actually going to ask that. When yeah. you went to apply for a job after you graduated, mm-hmm. were you applying for the graduate scheme or were you applying for a full-time role now that you had already had that 10-week internship under your belt?
0: The graduate scheme is essentially a full-time role. And um, it's, it's just called that because of um, cost centre reasons. So if there's a graduate scheme, you'll be paid from the HR cost centre as opposed to the department that you work for so um um but um what i did was instead of applying for graduate schemes i, I wanted to take some time out and go traveling after graduate so i applied for internships again because I, I did one that summer and they paid quite a bit so what they do is they give you same salary as the the grads but they pro rata it for 10 weeks.
1: Wow.
0: So I thought well, I could just do the same thing. So I started applying again, this time kind of for a few other roles, like a mix of roles that um, I was keen on. Same process. Uh, eventually I got one at the end. <clears throat> uh, with that particular one, it was kind of like at uh, that time. Um, in terms of speech, well, one of my um, achievements when I look back at that period, because, um, give me one second, Chris, I need to plug my charger in before, before the laptop dies. That's 120%. okay. We keep talking. <coughs> That's
1: all right. We'll just we'll wait for Ruben to sort his charger out. I think a massive lesson uh take from Ruben's experiences, and I'll ask him about this after a the but is that there's no need to hesitate when it comes to applying for roles. And I know that that's a characteristic of a lot of people that have stutters, and it's what I used to do. But I think it's very important for people to listen to Ruben's story to realise that if you are currently at uni, and you are getting that anxiety about applying for jobs and now life is about to get real as they say because I know that uni for me was four years where I could avoid working four years of me not having to do them job interviews or stutter in a working environment so I think what we need to take from Ruben's story is that There's no need to hesitate when you're applying for roles. And I know that a lot of people will, but as Ruben said, it is a numbers game. So you could potentially be hesitating for a role that you're not even going to get looked at for, but eventually you will get looked at if you apply for enough. And once it comes knocking on your door, you have to take it because that's what you've been working towards, right?
0: Dad, definitely Chris, that's really good advice because if you hes- hes- hesitate then the opportunity is gone. So you don't really have anything to actually lose either way and that that's the way I saw it. So um, with this particular role, um, this is one where I don't think there was an actual application form it's just they asked for CV and the letter. Um and that was amongst your thirty thirty five to forty applications so so it sent. Then about two months later, um again and um an email from, from that place saying oh like um you've been accepted to the next stage and I was like, oh, I, I, I didn't actually think at the time that I applied to them as well, but um, <clears throat> got an email from that organization, um, they sent me the links for the online tests, so they had the math test and, and it was like really, really hard, it, it was harder than the tests from the competitor banks. Like super, super hard. Um, instead of having like the question with four or five options, they, they, they had the question in, and you had to like take, take data from table and, and do all the ratios and stuff. Then you pick an answer from a drop down menu. Now, in that drop down menu, you had probably about 25 options there to, to, to pick from. And the time limit was really tight. So the time limit per question, time limit per question, and it got tighter and tighter and tighter. So I finished the test, and and, and then I was just like, whoa, like, this is really, really hard. Now, um, a few weeks later, I get an email again saying, great, you passed the test. And I'm like, oh, good, thank God. Um, they then <clears throat> did the, the phone interview, um same thing as well went through questions uh, practiced a bit and then i got through that and got invited to the assessment center now the assessment center for this place was brutal you need to get to canary wharf at 7 a.m and, you're, and you stay with them till 3 and 3 p.m they give you a timetable now you've got four one-to-one interviews with, um, with VPs and the MDs. Four. There's a um, group exercise with your group. Wow. There's, a, there's a written exercise where you analyze some like report wow. and you make business recommendations and then you actually have to present your answers to a person. And they'll ask you Q and A about it, and they give you like these transparent sheets t- to make slides. Then, um, oh, on top of that, they give you a retest of the math test that, that you did at home, just to verify it's that nightmare of
1: an experience.
0: <laughs> yeah, they so get there, and they give you a timetable. So you have all your things, all, um, and it t- tells you like the timing, So you're going to have your interview with this person that time, and. And and um, in terms of my preparation for that day, um, it was purely focused around the the um, inter- interview itself. Uh, and um, I was thinking, well, there's four, five people there, so they're, they're probably going to be asking like similar questions. So so I just ensured that I knew my CV inside out. And, um, and in each one, as soon as it started, like um, I told the person, yeah, just before we start, I have a stutter and I'm going to pause a bit. And they were completely fine with it. And I just, um, when I went into the first one, met the person, they were pretty friendly. And all the interviews turned into a bit of a chat, but the emphasis was obviously on me. Um, and I also did quite a bit of research as well. And I didn't just go on websites. I was going on to YouTube at the time as well, which I don't think that many people were doing in 2011. Now, one of the questions that, um, that the lady asked me was, um, where do you see kind of the future of banking? And um, like the, the typical things people they can say is are like markets, you could China, um, brick countries, the emerging markets and South America, India, etc. And the, the night before, there was this clip I saw that was um, I forgot the exact kind of link in the background but um, I found this clip and what they were talking about was um, phones and apps this was in 2011 so then I went into some like explanation about how in the future we will be doing all our banking through apps and even corporates so if you are the CFO of of, um, a corporation and if you want to build a factory in china but you are based in the uk you can transfer your funds through this app to that phone and it will, and it will just be done um through apps and the tech around it and um it's they're kind of growing at the moment but this will be incorporated in to the banking industry in the future and i went into some kind of like ex ex explanation about it and the person was like whoa and um fast forward now that's what's happening in banking yeah that's if it was happening cool. right now
1: yeah that person that was interviewing you must be like wow that kid was right he was spa, look at it
0: yeah so this was me at 20 21 years old actually um yeah safe. yeah and um and one of the are other people there so he he was asking brain teasers and um there was a question he he um, that he asked was um okay, so if you were told that if you went to the gym two hours twice a week and did it for 25 years consistently and as a result you would extend your life expectancy by an, an extra five years would it be worth it that was the question that he asked me. and then he also gave me like a pen and paper as well if i wanted to use it to um, Defend my answer.
1: And what was your answer?
0: I'm going to quickly pass over to you first. See, like, what's your thought process in terms of tackling that question?
1: So, initially, what I would think is I would work out um, four hours a week for a year. So, I would do four times 52, which I don't know what that is off the top of my head. Why that 212?
0: It's about 208, isn't it? I
1: don't know. Okay. My maths is not that great. I like using calculators. That's what they were invented for. But then what I would do is I would times that by 25, work out how many years that is, see if it was more than five years or less than five years, and then people would decide based on a number. But there's so many other factors that, matter to tell you whether that's worth it or not because the quality of your life even if it's less the quality of your life will be improved so there's other things to think about that's how i would tackle the question and that's how i would decide my answer but you can tell me how wrong i was or i am
0: no no um i think that's pretty good because i um tackled it in a similar fashion as well but i kind of took the analysis a bit further on So um, I kind of said how okay. So within your day, you would sleep for an average of eight hours. So that's a third of of a day. So even if you're extending your span by an extra five years, a third of it would be spent sleeping. So so it isn't actually kind of an extra five years of proper life regaining. Never, Um, never. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, and um yeah, and then I also talked about the kind of um, the the quality of life and the uh, the extra things that one person they would gain from actually being fit and going to the gym um at that frequency, and then at the end, he said, All right, cool, and then he didn't say anything else, but it was just um, an exercise to see your thought process, and then um finished the interview for, with him. Then as we left, uh, we walked down the corridor back to like the um, room where all, all, all of the candidate candidates were. And um, we walked past it and, and the, the corridor was com- completely kind of um, white. So all the walls were, were white. And we walked past um, like one wall that was just green. And then, so he just asked me, hey, like, um, what's your thoughts about that war? And, th- and then I just said, oh, it's, it's a bit random, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, that's what I said too. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and then um, that was the end of the interaction I had with him. But um, it appears like I did make a positive impression with him because... I uh, got that placement in the end. And um, beyond all that, like with with all the questions they were asking and and all these group exercises and these things, like worrying about your speech, is just going to like deter you from actually performing and producing kind of the answers that they want to hear.
1: How did you get into that? mindset of that age to not allow your speech to deter you from the goal that's in front of you here and that is getting accepted for that placement
0: Um, I I just felt like I didn't have have choice really Really? because the other option um, (laughs) uh, yeah it's um, as simple as that it's either I could go for it now or I, 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 yeah it's just um um it that kind of thought it didn't even come into my mind at that point
1: yeah you were focused that i'm gonna get one
0: of these internships regardless regardless because it, it, yeah like um if you keep going then at some point it's um how do you, keep that, how do you keep that
1: um that energy up so Okay, let me ask you the first question that, that I wanted to ask you. If we take it back to when you got in that interview room and you explained, I have a stutter, what was their response? I think it's important for people to hear that. What, what was their initial response?
0: They said it's fine, just to take your time and stuff, and it's all, it's all good here. It's fine. And um, that's the first bit because if you don't tell them, then it leads to confusion, because if you are successful in hiding it, and then it's kind of stable for the first 10 minutes, and then it crops up, then there's even more confusion. But at least if you tell them right at the start, now you're both on the same page, just carry on.
1: Yeah, I agree. And also the reason why I think that disclosure is so important at the beginning of a job interview, Because now you have given yourself permission to say any word you want without them thinking, okay, what's going on here? Is he nervous? Is he hesitating? Is he unsure? You've now got the right to say whatever you want throughout that whole interview at your pace. You've told them, this is who I am. I do have a stutter. I do have a stutter. It's not a problem. Just I may pause. I may take my time. And then they're, they're aware of it. And also, it can work to your advantage because that says a lot about a person that's prepared to do that at the beginning of a job interview. Did you find that it was only advantageous for you to do that?
0: Without a doubt, without a doubt, because um, um, it gives you a chance to actually <clears throat> to show them on your terms. And that's key. That's the key thing. Because then you can control their perceptions. If you can confidently say, excuse me, before you start, I'm just going to tell you now, I'm going to pause and and I'll be blocking a bit at certain points because I've got a speech impediment. As opposed to being fine then going through the secondaries and and then struggling to say words and then them assuming that you're nervous and anxious and anxiety, then by the time they work out that you stutter, their first opinions are already there and already formed. But if you disclose, you've got the opportunity to control that perception. You control the narrative.
1: Yeah, first impressions are so important. And you have to realise that the person that's sitting at the other side of that table to you may not have... Well, they may have encountered some of the square stutter, but they might not be that knowledgeable on it and how it affects people. So instantly, your first impression has been ruined because you're coming across like, you are, sure, you're nervous, all the rest of it. But at the same time, because you haven't disclosed and you're trying to hide it, you now feel all of those things. You do become anxious, you do become nervous. and because of that, it's only natural that because there's so much stress going on in your head, you're not in the right frame of mind to perform to the best of your ability in that interview. And you're not in the right frame of mind to take the question, take it in, process it, and then process the right answer or the answer that you know is the right answer to give rather than a rushed answer. You know, they're structured to certain answers. They ask questions at certain times for certain reasons to see how you respond to them. And if you're panicking the whole time and just trying to keep your answers short and sweet to get out of that situation, that's that's not going to be beneficial for you at all.
0: Yeah. Um, very, very, very good advice there, Chris. Very good advice because the worst thing like you could experience is someone who has all the potential in, in the world about to finish university but if you can't communicate the way you want to communicate, then you will always be on the sidelines. And there'll be other people, other people there who aren't kind of, kind of like um, as bright as you, or, or they don't have that particular skill that you have. but They will take your opportunities.
1: Yeah. And that's what used to frustrate me is I used to look at other people and I used to always compare myself because that was an actual characteristic, you know, I worried conscious self-aware all the time. And I used to compare myself to everyone. I used to think he's not cleverer than me. He's not smarter than me. He's not more capable to do that job than I am, but yet he's able to show it. And looking back, I now realize of course he's able to show it because he gave himself permission to be able to show it regardless of if he's a fluent speaker or he's a stutterer or not, he's given himself permission. And I never, ever gave myself the permission. But a question I do have for you, Ruben, is, okay, someone is struggling with their speech, and to get in front of someone is something they really want to happen so that they can test themselves. But they're struggling with the application process. They haven't received that email or that call or be night. invited to that interview what advice do you give them to keep pushing on and to not get disheartened to not give up to realise that it is a numbers game what advice would you give to that person
0: just um, keep trying because at some point it will come probably don't give yourself time limit. To just say look like, um, like if I keep doing this for the next three years something's bound to happen if I if I set myself a target of kind of two applications a day for three years like don't operate on the shortened time scale what's the rush like these next like one two three years put in the work in now to get one of these roles and then this can set you up for the next 10 to 15 years and that will lead on to different things <clears throat> because that, that is the, um, the massive problem, right? Because if you don't take advantage of these opportunities uh, when, you're, you, when you're young it has a domino effect in your 20s and um, by the time you get into your 30s it's even harder to get into that particular sector that you were previously targeting but you didn't go for interviews because of your speech. But now other people have, have already taken that path and sadly they'll be the ones who would be interviewing you by the time you jump up your seat to apply. Now um, just think of the alternative. Is the alternative better? know then just keep going right yeah because like um for me personally i just i i didn't have any other like choice where and i got quite a lot of support from like um like in, in my friends and stuff so they were kind of applying as well so we would all apply together and and um like if they went to interview, they'd come back and say, "This is what happened." Yeah, and and it was quite a collaborative environment. So you can feel by yourself. Then support from my parents as well, because they always said, "Look, like kind of it's it's just speech and it's just a job. Just keep trying. Will come." They came to this country. They were fleeing a war to come here. Yeah. So their perspective of Difficulties is completely different to this, so they just said, "Like you are in a good place, so whatever happens, it will turn out good. Just keep trying." And I was kept that faith, and that that's it, really.
1: Yeah, no, that's great advice. Don't give
0: up. Don't give up too early. Keep keep yeah. going.
1: And do not put a time limit on it. There is no rush. There's no rush. You can apply for 50 jobs, 100 jobs, 200 jobs. There is no rush. Eventually, it is going to come.
0: There is no rush, but make sure you start. Because people are too slow to start and too quick to finish.
1: Yeah, procrastination, and then they get disheartened quickly when they don't get instant results. Exactly. Sort of like... Some people, when they start to work on their speech, they avoid it, avoid it. They think, okay, I need to do something about it. And because their, their expectations haven't been managed enough to know that it is a journey, it is, it is a long journey, and it's something that you will have to continuously work on, they give up at the first hurdle, which is, which is really sad to see because you just think, if you just kept on going you are going to see results and it's going to motivate you more and more and
0: more definitely chris and um yeah i think like with those types of experiences um like because you think at this point we are, we are talking about the the application process and, and the intensity of those um assessment centers now that your role itself where, when I get there, like you think to yourself, oh, you've done all the hard work." The thing just kicks up to a different level now because you are put on the microscope every, every every single day because these guys have took you out straight from your course for the summer, treating you like a full-time employee, paying you like a full-time employee. They expect you to... to Overperform because you're just there for ten weeks, and then lumping work, deadlines. You got to present here, go here, network this, do this. There's a phone all day, that, and it's proper intense, man. Proper intense, and it really tests your your ability to um your ability your ability to just cope. And um, <clears throat> when I finished, I to say I was thankful that. That experience was done. saved up uh, all the money I earned when I went traveling for five months, wherever it was, and best experience of my life at that point. And it's only because I, I did the hard work in those two years before, just doing applications after application. Because by the time I got to the to that role, um. I was twenty-one, and I probably applied to about a hundred jobs, like in those environments, like doing all the forms and tests and everything.
1: How many um, many interviews did you get out of those hundred applications?
0: um, Like, in terms of the first round or the final round, or it depends. Right, that's the first round. First round, uh, probably. Um twenty five to thirty percent.
1: Well, that's pretty high, isn't it? But
0: Fast one, yeah, but that's because if you get in there really, really, really early on when the when the job actually posts and starts. So um they normally put them up during the freshest period.
1: Yeah, but was there, was there anything in particular that you did personally that made you stand out from the crowd? So, you imagine they receive a pile of CVs, hundreds of CVs. What did? What do you feel made your CV different to everybody else's?
0: To be honest, um,
1: oh, the whole application. I'm talking cover no, you know, questions that you answered.
0: No, like if I'm being straight up, I. That point, my application was pretty much the same as the people around me, but just because we got in there like really early on, and um, and um, with the university I went to and and the people around me, because um, it was a really good academic environment, so the quality of those applications were over, overall pretty, pretty good. But they, as in, for the ones I put, put forward, they weren't like kind of extra special compared to everyone else. It was just, for me, it was a numbers game. And by the time I went to, to the second internship, I had the first one on my CV, right? Yeah. Now it's different. So as, as, as soon as you get that first one, like it, it's like a, like a stamp. Okay. So this guy has got actual proper like p- placement and, and he's still applying for like this internship. Yeah. Let's take, take him on. Boom. And, um, yeah, like, cause the, that experience a, it, it made me a lot more streetwise when I went into job market after I came back from traveling. And it also funded my traveling as well, which is um, incredible because um, it was something I dreamed of at that time. And I specifically planned it in that way. So it was one year plan to actually get the funds and get the time to do it.
1: We got Leo just joined us again. He said, just joining at the end, laugh out loud, been busy working on my speech. That's what we like to hear. That's a great job. Great job, Leo. But he's got a question for you, Ruben. What are you doing for a living, Ruben? I don't even know. But that's obviously because he missed the, uh, missed the start of the podcast. But just uh, quickly let him know what your job title with, Ruben.
0: I'm very disappointed in him, actually. <laughs> Look, people call me and have a chat and talk about speech, but ah, uh, this is it.
1: No, interesting. They, they,
0: they didn't ask about the old rubes. The old rubes, oh, rubes. Leah, I will give you a lowdown the next time we speak. Don't yeah. worry.
1: There you have it, Ruben. I mean, Leah, there you have it. There you have it. So, yeah, like, um,
0: really good experience. And um, you, like, if there's one bit of advice I take from job interviews, is if you don't actually get through it, <laughs> don't blame it on your speech at all. Regardless if it was the fault of, of your speech, don't blame it on your speech and try to take as much feedback possible into the next one. Because as soon as you start blaming it on, on your speech, then you're, you're going to feel like crap. Like just keep applying and stuff. Just keep applying.
1: Yeah, just keep going keep going it's great advice it's great advice looking to wrap things up Ruben looking to wrap things up any final thoughts or final words
0: I'm all good I'm all good um, just happy we are <coughs> at episode 26 Um getting really close to 30 now Chris which is um, I think we'll be at 30 on Friday right uh, yeah. 7, 8. Yep. No, it's Saturday. It's a Saturday, so. Saturday. Uh, give me a Tuesday.
1: Yeah. I'm just looking Sorry, in that month.
0: Definitely. a you know, month.
1: month of solid podcasting. Definitely. Cannot wait. But the final word from me, if you take anything from this podcast and the advice that Ruben has given is that when you're applying for jobs, Do not let your stutter stop you from submitting that application. Do not allow it to hold you back from going for jobs that you really want to go for. When you get that initial interview, it is so important that you disclose straight away. It puts you at ease, puts the listener at ease. You can now conduct that interview in the way that you. Want to it is so so important, but preparation for your interview is the key. Like Ruben said, researching is so important because it gives you that competitive advantage of everyone else. And usually, when you prepare and you know you've prepared, you're you're less worried about your speech because you're confident in what you're saying. You're not mumbling. You're not stumbling. You're not trying to think on your feet. You know. What you want to talk about, you know what the company does, where they're looking to go, who's in which position in the company. You might even have researched the person that's interviewing you. So you know a little bit about him and you can create some common ground potentially. And if for whatever reason you do not get the outcome you want, do, ne- do not ever blame your speech. Do not blame your speech. Keep on going ask for feedback, and make the necessary improvements. So, yeah, that is how we would tackle job interviews. Ruben, it's been a pleasure. It's been great. Thank you for the valuable advice that all our listeners now have, and we will continue to give advice. The main aim of the charity is to improve people's employability. That's what we strive to do, and we will continue to strive to do it. So, Ruben,
0: do you want to do the honours? Of course we of course. Thank you for listening, and remember, stop holding back.